the Morris Ford lynchings, the Atlanta race riots, the Harris County lynchings, the Jackson County race riots. Of course you weren't taught about this in school. Class is back in session. Welcome to Hidden Lynchings. How's it going, y'all? This is Alan Holmes, and uh, this is the next episode. This episode is uh, going to cover the Atlanta race riots. Um, a lot of people don't know about these riots. Even a lot of people who live in Atlanta don't know about these riots. So we're going to get into this um, just to explain to people and help people understand the history of what happened in this country, especially in Georgia. So the Atlanta race riots happened from September 22nd, 1906 to September 24th, 1906. So as far as the death toll, there really is no historic um, or number on record that can be completely verified, but estimates say between 10 and 100 black people were killed during uh, the Atlanta race riots. And let's just get into the backstory. Every time we start with a backstory, so here's the backstory. So after the Civil War, you know, during Reconstruction and other periods, Atlanta was was growing again. Atlanta was developing. Many people were moving to the city, both white and black. It basically became the railroad hub of the South. So it was going through redevelopment, jobs, businesses, industries were growing. Um, the black population actually increased a lot. In uh, 1880, the black population in Atlanta was only 9,000. By 1900, it was 35,000. So you had lots of black and white people from rural areas in Georgia and in other parts of the country in the South who were moving to Atlanta for jobs. So you begin to get competition for jobs. You have black people who are no longer enslaved skilled people. You have white people who are skilled people as well. And you have just the competition, even though a lot of the low wage jobs were still uh, black people had to do. And that's who who took on those jobs. You did have competition for higher wage jobs between black and white people because now slavery is over. And so now there's competition. And so there was some tension that arose in Atlanta and in other parts of the country uh, during this time, but we're talking about Atlanta, so those tensions were rising. So you had a lot of segregation, um, a lot of racism occurring at that time in Atlanta. And so a lot of black people were successful. I mean, the success that you see in Atlanta to this day has been happening since 1906 and beyond and prior. You had a lot of smart, entrepreneurial, hardworking black people who made it happen in Atlanta. So that's a good thing. And that's, that's something that still occurs. Um, and they were establishing businesses. They were becoming successful. And so there was some anger because of this, because of the black success. I mean, you look at Alonzo Herndon, who owned a barbershop amongst his other businesses uh, that served leading white men in the Atlanta community, wealthy white businessmen and people from all walks of life. He had a successful business as a bar, had a barbershop. And so, you know, that's the the setting that I would say. So let's get on to the 1906 governor's election. So M. Hoke Smith and Clark Howell were both the candidates in the, that were running in the Democratic primary for governor. Because at the time in the South, 
Democrats were very strong. Republicans were not strong. And so basically, if you won the primary, you won the election. So M. Hoke Smith and Clark Howe both campaigned hard on disenfranchising black voters, trying to say that they didn't want black people to vote at all. Both. It was just one was a little bit more aggressive than the other. Um, Clark Howe wanted to um, also keep blacks from voting. Uh, And M. Hoke Smith was the publisher of the Atlanta Journal at the time. And Clark Howe was the publisher of the Atlanta Constitution. Now you know that as the AJC, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So in the 1906 governor's race, both men were uh, editors and in the press space in different newspapers, but both were pushing and, and, and basically campaigning to, say, to, 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 to argue which one was going to be more aggressive in disenfranchising black voters. So this election plays into the race riot because because of the connection of the Atlanta publishers and them both trying to determine and fight to see who was going to be the most racist and and, and lay out a platform of disenfranchising blacks if they became governors. But that inflamed the tension as these men are campaigning. And so... You know, that just sets the stage for the, the race riot itself. And there was even a stage play called The Klansman that had been released around that same time, right before the riots. And so this was a play that was shown in many different cities. And it was such a play that would inflame racial tension that many cities had to set up security where it was shown at the theaters in their city. And this stage play incited some say the riots themselves, because it kind of played into the racial tension that was happening at the time. And for some reason, they continued to allow this play to run in different cities at different theaters. So these are some parts of the backstory that um, that kind of give you an understanding of how things got to the point of becoming a race riot. So let's get into the riot. So... On September 22nd, newspapers had reported that, you know, there were sexual assaults of four white women by black men. Obviously, that's a very bad thing. So, you know, two men were indicted on that. But instead of letting the, you know, process play out in terms of these men being went from a a courtroom and sentenced, uh, White men and boys began to gather in downtown Atlanta. The, a mob just grew of people jo- joining together in one space. So they began to just summarily beat, stab, and shoot random black people that they saw in downtown Atlanta who had nothing to do with these accusations. Uh, po- People were pulled from the streetcars downtown near Five Points and other downtown areas. So just imagine this. Imagine being on a streetcar, just going to work, coming home, and you being black, and you just see thousands of white men and boys who just attack you, pull you off the train and beat you. That's exactly what happened. And um, 
you know, I saw a GPP, a GPB video on YouTube where that was talking about these Atlanta race riots. And the gentleman said that he was actually able to interview a white woman who was in her 80s, but who was 10 years old and lived in Atlanta downtown during the race riots. And she said that at 10 years old, she saw a black man who was hung from a lamppost and riddled with bullets in downtown Atlanta during these race riots. So it was terrible things that happened. Um, eventually the mob grew to 10 or 15,000 men and boys. That is, that's massive. And so by 10 o'clock that night, five people would be dead and hundreds injured. Again, like I said, you know, 25 to 30 black people were dead by 2 a.m. on the 23rd, the next day. Georgia governor finally after all this, called up eight companies in the 5th Infantry. Um, Alonzo Herndon, we talked about him earlier, the very successful black businessman that made waves in Atlanta for just his 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 brilliance and his business mind. His, his barbershop was destroyed. And let me add that there was a barbershop across the street from Alonzo. Alonzo Herndon, thank, thankfully, he and his barbers who were in his shop closed up a little early that day. There were there was a barbershop across the street that, that didn't close early. And when the riot happened, they they, they were just kind of caught because they um they didn't know it was gonna happen. They were just at work as barbers cutting hair. The mob went into the barbershop and killed most of the barbers and the customers. Um, you know, it was terrible. Black restaurants and saloons that were on Decatur Street at the time were destroyed. Um, businesses were destroyed. But but thankfully, some heavy rain stopped the rioting that night just because it rained heavily. Um, on Sunday, the next day, the violence continued and some residents just left the city. Black residents left the city by train until things cooled off. Um, the interesting thing is about the self-defense aspect of this, because a lot of black folks in the community began to defend themselves, probably were defending themselves to the, in the riots as best they could, but they began to arm themselves and defend themselves, right? Uh, there were community members in Brownsville, which was south of downtown near Clark, Atlanta at the time. That's the name of the neighborhood. They made to strategize and figure out how they were going to defend themselves and arm themselves. The Fulton County Police actually learned of the meeting and they raided this meeting and a shootout occurred. So the police didn't do much to stop the rioters, but they, they basically attempted to break up the black people's meeting who were just meeting to figure out how they were going to defend themselves from just being attacked. And so um, three militia companies were sitting to stop that. So 250 black uh, residents were, were disarmed. Their weapons were just taken, including some uh, professors from Clark Atlanta University. So eventually some black people did defend themselves, though, that weren't at that meeting but had weapons. And so that is eventually, 
I guess you could say what stopped the riots because, you know, finally the governor left and uh, jumped into action and actually had the National Guard and the infantry ended. And then black people were defending themselves. And then the mob kind of stopped after they saw that they would be retaliated against if they continued attacking people. So it stopped. So as far as the governor's election, M. Hoke Smith was actually elected as governor, you know, around the time or after these riots. And he is the uh, governor who proposed literacy tests and grandfather clauses, which, again, as many people know, disenfranchised black voters. That all passed by constitutional amendment two years later in 1908. So the aftermath is that there was a depression in Atlanta's black community. A lot of businesses never reopened. They moved from mixed areas to areas of the city that were mostly black to probably just stay safe because... Imagine going through a ride and dealing with that. You just want to be safe. So um, a lot of the black residents, you know, they were in the areas west of the city, sending it to AUC in the eastern part of downtown. They just remained there. Uh, many businesses moved to Sweet Auburn. So that's kind of the aftermath of it. Uh, the interesting thing is W.E.B. Du Bois was uh, a professor in the AUC at the time. And he was one who began to be someone who pushed defending him, you know, at least defending yourself. He said at the time, I bought a double-barreled shotgun and two dozen rounds of shells filled with buckshot. If a white mob had stepped on the campus where I lived, I would, without hesitation, have sprayed their guts over the grass. And and, and, and nobody, many people don't know this quote is associated with him, but it shows that you know, even though he was a part of the talented 10th, even though, you know, he might not have been as aggressive in his approach to what black people should have been doing at the time, he believed in self-defense. Because I just can't imagine being just attacked randomly. And so you must, you have to defend yourself. That's, you just can't just die. You know what I mean? And so there has always been a push for people to be able to defend and arm themselves for self-defense, which is important to note. Also in the context of rising um, gun ownership of black Americans, if you look at the data over the last five, you know, the last couple of years, especially this year, the, the growth rate that you see with, in terms of um, the rising gun ownership has been led by black men and black women, which is just an interesting if you look at history. So again, um, I hope you get something from this. Hope you take something from this just to be able to learn history um, because it's important for us to know what happened and to get an accurate um, understanding of that. So again, as always, thanks for listening. I'm Alan Holmes.